Hi, this is Miley Danny. I play for NIFHG in Denmark. I've participated in various youth national team tournaments where I've won a silver and two bronze medals. You're listening to the Pro Sports Podcasters. We are the Pro Sports Podcasters, where no sport is left behind. It's time for another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters with your hosts, Nee Wallace-Bruce, Corbert Durand, and Justin Williams. On this podcast, we have guests from all over the world covering every sport from artistic gymnastics to weightlifting. We are something for every sports fan on PSP. Whether your interests are the athletes playing the game, the coaches, or the media, we've got you covered. Fun and informative, honest and engaging. You won't want to miss a single episode. So let's kick this off. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of the Pro Sports Podcasters. I'm your host, Justin Williams, but you know I'm never alone. I got the man who knows everything about NFTs, and if you aren't yet subscribed, please go over to prosportspodcasters.com, go to our newsletter, become a fan. You get automatic updates for anything NFT-related like with so rare or just in general. And also we have a Discord group that's popping, so much so that it brings my anxiety up to levels I've never seen because that is way too many notifications. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Colbert Duran. Kobe, how you doing? I'm good, buddy. It's World Cup. It's World Cup. I'm amped. And just so everyone knows, there is a free NFT tournament happening right now that goes well, coincides with the World Cup. And I'll leave a link in the description of this particular episode. Heck yeah. And at the time of this recording, it's also the Grey Cup today, which me and like five other people care about. So (laughs) we love this. But to honor a fellow Canadian, this man, Kobe, I don't know if he knows this. This man holds the record for scoring back-to-back goals at an international level for Team Canada. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm very excited to bring this guest on. Please welcome the legend himself, Tommy Kuzmanis. Tommy, how you doing? Great. Well, thank you very much for having me. Oh, anytime, anytime. And, you know, just so the fans know, we had a little bit of issues with this in the beginning. It was bumpy waters and rough roads, but, you know, Tommy just kept at it and eventually (laughs) he got here. So (laughs) through pure determination and maybe a little bit of skill, we got Tommy on this podcast. Tommy, are you excited for the World Cup? I'm excited for the World Cup. And I'll add this. I'm also excited. You're not the only one for the Great Cup. So uh, I'm rooting for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, even though we're Toronto uh, people. Yeah, and I'll tell you why. A very good friend of mine, um, uh-huh. Greg Stamkos, his son-in-law is Zach Caleros. So I've got to, I've got to root uh, for Zach. You know, I've I've got to meet him a, a number of times. Great guy. So you know, I've got to I got to cheer for him. It's as easy as that. Two things. Number one, your your connection is breaking up. Can't hear you anymore. Well, goodbye. And number two, uh, <laughs> number two, Toronto has never lost to the Blue Bombers in a Grey Cup final before. Wow, so that's an interesting stat. It is. It is. The last time they met was 1950, and some things have changed <laughs> since then. However, however, <laughs> I don't think any team should be going on that kind kind of dynasty run like the Blue Bombers are. So I hopeful, hopefully, see uh, the Argos lift that championship. Anything can happen. So one one gate one game, right? One game anything Honestly. can happen. And the way the CFL season has been going down, it's down to like the last two minutes of every game. So I suspect yeah. the Grey Cup will be the exact same. Definitely. Now moving back to the World Cup real quick. Yeah. Canada has a horrific opponent, like out of the gates. They're the number two ranked in the world. Good old Belgium. <laughs> <laughs> what are you thinking Canada's odds are to at least score 
tie or win? The odds for me are not good. You know, I've, I, I obviously, I want the Canadian team to do extremely well being a former player. Would love to see them advance to this next uh, round. But for me, they're just, they're just playing a, a, a giant, you know, in that first game. Had, had that game against Belgium been, let's say, game two or three, um, we might have a different conversation here. But I think coming right off the gates here and, and meeting this superpower like they are, you know, I think it's just going to be very tough. It, I, I just think it, it'll just come down to um, the depth factor, the experience, you know, us not being in, in the big show in such a long time. You know, I get it. This team is young, fast, exciting. We've got some great players and talent on this team. I just don't think that overall we've got that experience and that depth to really compete against uh, the likes of, uh, of Belgium. It's a sad reality. Um, but however, like you said, for football, with this football, anything is possible. I mean, in theory, Canada could score an early goal and then do the really shameful thing and park the bus. It's possible. We'd get a lot of hate for it but it's entirely probable. Now, furthermore, you, since you've been a, uh, a Canadian international, since you essentially are a legend within your own rights, is there something about this team that separates them from teams in the past? I, I would say that resiliency on this team, I, I think what Herdman has done with this team uh, from not just a coaching standpoint, you know, the, the X's and O's, uh, a lot of the coaches, even in the past, you know, they know their soccer. But I think what he brings is an element of that psychological aspect. And a lot of coaches, you know, they could be great tacticians, but he just seems to really get these uh, guys motivated, uh, jacked up for games. They they really believe in themselves, and I really think that he's he's tapped into their into their brains um, to feel like they are a part of something special that they can do something special if they believe in themselves and we we talked about this before in the past when when i was on the podcast that this team just has that you know again i mentioned resiliency but they just have that you know not backing down to any of their opponents you know in in the past you know we've always been kind of a little bit bullied around by oppositions maybe a little bit intimidated I mean, we we're always out there competing against, uh, you know, the best of the best. But I just felt that this particular team, and I, and I saw that in the Gold Cup um, when they got to the semifinals playing against Mexico, they were just not backing down to the Mexicans. And you know, there, were, there were times where tackles were being made, guys were being pushed around, and, and our players were responding and basically sending a message to Mexico that you're not going to only just see us for this tournament, but you know, get used to our faces and, and, and you're going to see us, you know, in the coming months, what we're all about. It, it was that type of message that they were sending. And wow, did that ever message uh, get relayed when it came to the World Cup qualifying. And I, and I think that that resonated to this team throughout uh, the qualifications and, and, and bringing, you know, to light that, that confidence and that swagger that they had. Wow, that was... That's an answer that only a former player can give. So you don't see any weakness on the Belgian side, even though they had that debacle against Egypt? Yeah, um, it, it's, it's hard to, to make out things with, uh, you know, some exhibition games leading up to the World Cup uh, and so on. I know the Belgian team is, you know, it's a little bit older. They're, they're aging. Maybe that, that um, dynasty that they've had here, that golden generation, 
is kind of you know dwindling uh, from their standpoint. But I think at the same time, this team knows what's at stake here. I mean, they they got to the World Cup semis last time around, and they really gave France a run for their money. I get it; it was four years ago, but I think that this team, knowing that this is really their last straw together as a as a as a team with this uh, generation, that they're gonna have something to say about it. They're not going to take Canada lightly, even though they may not know much about our team. You know, I, I just think that they'll be ready. I think that they've just got something to prove. But uh, like was mentioned before, all it takes is for us to get an early goal, an early goal, you know, and then uh, it, that just changes the momentum, especially with this particular team where they are resilient and um, they don't look to back down. I think player for player, we can run with them. Well, I think we've got the speed. We've got that conditioning, that fitness, all of that. I just think that the experience factor is where it's going to hurt us. Where I don't think we're going to dominate the ball possession, you know, throughout the game. So we'll be moving around a lot. We'll be trying to make sure that we're in the right positions, uh, making sure that we, you know, we cover all, uh, all ground on that field, making sure that, you know, any gaps are being filled and, and stuff like that. And, you know, I, I think that the, the Belgians are just going to be very patient and look to try to capitalize on any any weak areas that the Canadian team may have or try to expose. You know, let's let's be quite frank here. You know, these guys are, are experienced guys, you know, from Belgium. They know that they might be a little bit older and the Canadian team has a little bit of kick in them, right? But they lose possession of the ball. I think tactically what uh, the Belgian side might do and even the Croatian side is just impede their progress, you know, create a foul here and there just to make sure that they slow the Canadian team down and they're able to reset and get back into the proper positions. So, you know, I, I think that's the type of game that we might see from, from these, these two sides leading, uh, you know, leading up to this uh, tournament that uh, they'll kind of concede that factor that we may not be as fast as the Canadian team. Uh, but every time we lose the ball, we'll just make sure that we just tactically slow down the play and make sure that we get ourselves behind the ball all 11 of us, so that we're not getting caught by this quick and fast Canadian team. Okay. I mean, being fully transparent, I, I picked Belgium to top the group. I expect experience to to shine through in this situation. I don't see them as the number two ranked team in the world as FIFA has it. That's yeah. the FIFA rankings are <laughs> the way they work is a little bit off. But of course. But in that particular group, I do see them as the class of, of group F. So. I expect them to get through. I do expect Canada to get through, though. So mm. what that brings into question is between Croatia and Morocco, who do you think is the greater threat to us? I, I still think Croatia is. I, I just think that, uh, again, with uh, Modric in the, in the middle, that experience factor, the Croatian team, you know, they got to the World Cup finals last time, right? And so, again, four years later, but the Croatian team were a very strong team also during their qualification group. I, I know we're trying to, you know, have a little bit of um, some light here for the, for the Canadian team. I, I just think that between Croatia and Morocco, I, I'm still giving the edge to the Croatian side. And this Moroccan team, let's not uh, forget, uh, they've come with a little bit of controversy, you know, prior to this World Cup. When they qualified for this World Cup, the man who got them there was fired, you know, mm -hmm. their head coach. And a lot of players did not want that uh, that coach. So 
players left the team. And so the Moroccan Federation had to go and scramble to find a, a new head coach. And now the new head coach has come in and has brought those players back. And so now you've got a, a you know a Moroccan team that I guess you can say is reunited. They they may feel jacked up for for this tournament. And you know sometimes, uh, as you guys uh, know, they, those teams can be also dangerous, right? Because you know they've got a chip on their shoulder, you know, and now they're gonna just rally behind one another and and really look to to play strong, aggressive football. And and sometimes those guys can be dangerous uh, not just morocco i'm just saying any team in general they can they can be they can pose a problem no i agree i agree i just looking at the different groups in general i i found that groups a through d were sort of easy in my opinion to mm-hmm. predict whereas groups efgh are just a little tougher and, and f is one of those groups that it's it's difficult to predict and of course being canadian you've got a bias there and that makes it even more difficult of course Exactly. Now we have to obviously put our biases aside. I too have picked Belgium to kind of uh, beat Canada. However, I do love a good underdog story. So if you're betting on Canada, one dollar I think is something like like a twenty dollar payout or something. Like the, the odds are just insane. So if if you know if if you're comfortable with the rest of your your odd bettings and you want to kind of maybe potentially risk it for the biscuit, this is a good way to do it. Who do you think is going to be in the finals? Not who's going to win, but just who's going to be in the finals. Uh, I, I, I think that it'll be uh, Brazil. Mm-hmm. I, I initially was saying France. Now with this injury to Benzema, that has really thrown a curveball, uh, even at for me, uh, because I, I really had Brazil and, and France uh, going to this final, uh, and so now I don't know what to to think here uh, for that for that other team. Uh, on that other side of the group, it's it's gonna be, it, it's gonna be, it, it's I, I feel it's it's gonna really open it up on on that particular side of the bracket, you know any any of those teams, you know I mean we don't know how the groups are gonna fall into place, but you know if we're going to assume that France will win their group and and you know for the most part we we can predict kind of clearly who could win first and second in their groups. You know, you still kind of looked at France getting through to that final, and now with with the injuries that's decimated them, missing so many players, it, it changes everything. I also like Portugal. I think it could be a Brazil Portugal final if if this French team is struggling. We could see them get to the final. I, I really like this Portuguese team. I think that they are very, you know, they're they're a very sound group, and you've got the Ronaldo factor, especially with. What's happened over the last number of days, as we all know, with uh, the controversy in his interview, he just may play with a chip on his shoulder and he knows it's his last World Cup. He may have something to say about it. Right. And and that's that's dangerous. You know, it's yeah, he's 37 years old, but he's he still can contribute and he's he's still among, uh, you know, the best players in the world. And when you have that in your back pocket for your team. Um, that goes a long way. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Portugal uh, make that final. You're not alone with that synopsis. There's a artificial intelligence who has analyzed the World Cup for what it is and factors in injuries, factors in weather, factors in fatigue, and just a whole bunch of factors. Mm-hmm. And after I think like a five-hour scan came out to it being Portugal and Argentina in the finals, so Messi versus Ronaldo, in the like they're both last world cups guys if that happens 
I was telling my my friends about this. That to me, and and I'm and I'm actually rooting for Argentina. So mm-hmm. I, I like I I'm a huge Messi fan. I would love to see him win the World Cup. Um, I I think that Argentina it will be that team that will meet them in the semifinals. Brazil, if if they win first place in their groups, they would eventually meet in the semis. So I I see Argentina right there. I wouldn't be surprised if they beat them. And like you said, if that is the World Cup final, Argentina against Portugal, that to me is going to be probably the biggest watched final sporting event, you name it, in the in the history of sport. Because we we all know that whole comparison of who's better, Ronaldo, Messi, you know, who's who's you know the so-called goat of the game. And here they are in a final where whoever wins literally will have that last laugh and that, you know, that bragging right to say, you know, you can throw all the comparisons that you want between the two players. This will be the one that it really solidifies for one of them to say, but he won the World Cup, right? And that's the final that I would love to see more than anything else. That would be just spectacular. You're, you're like I said, you're definitely not alone with that. And especially because Ronaldo, um, out of the two of them, if you will, kind of broke away from the pack in 2016 when they won the uh, the Euro. Uh, so that was an international title that Messi never held because keep in mind, Messi was the number one, number two, falling three times or two times, I believe, in the Copa America to Chile. So he never did. And then finally, they Argentina won the Copa America. So now Messi now has an international title as well. That's but they, right. But neither of them, and for the amount of Ballon d'Ors they both have, what is it, like seven and six or something? None of them have that World Cup. So to have that final, I think the world should legally come to a halt. Yeah. I feel like everybody should come back from the dead, the queen included, and we should all just sit there and watch this as either a war breaks out between Team Messi and Team Ronaldo or everyone shakes hands and goes, congrats on your title. Yeah, definitely. Kobe? Not going to happen. <laughs> wow, Un- unfortunately unfortunately it's just not gonna happen bet us sportsbook is your ultimate destination for online betting with sports betting live betting racebook online slots and online casino it's available across the us and canada use the code psp to receive a massive sign up bonus Kobe, who do you like it who, who, who do you think I- i'm biased so okay <laughs> But so I see Netherlands getting to another World Cup final. Uh-huh. And I, I have some Flemish heritage, so that's that's where that comes from. But I actually when you look at the other side of the bracket, there's a, a lot of different ways it can go. Yeah. But I still like France to defend. Even without Benzema, I still like France to defend. I think they're they're too deep, they're too skilled. Yeah. And it's not hard for them to adjust. This isn't a team that, you know, loses a star and suddenly it's over for them. I I just don't see it like that. And I think the toughest test for the Netherlands would be Brazil on their side of the bracket, mm-hmm. not Argentina. I think Brazil is the stronger side. So if someone else gets through, I expect Brazil. Yeah. And between Messi and Ronaldo, it's Ronaldo. Let's be honest. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm, not even, I'm not even a fan of, of Portugal, but... I can accept that Ronaldo is a better player. Um, so just kind of quickly <laughs> jump in here. I had a friend who, it, his name is Tyler Moreira, and his older brother unfortunately passed away from cancer at 17. His make-a-wish was to talk to Ronaldo. 
And not only did Ronaldo call, but he spent four and a half hours on the phone with this kid and then sent him a bunch of exclusive merch. So I have like a personal bias towards Ronaldo. And so no matter what the conversation is, I'll always hold Ronaldo. Not saying Messi hasn't done anything like that, but I'm just saying in my personal life, I don't have that experience with him. So for me, it's, it's team Ronaldo all the way. Stuff like that's yeah, you know, listen, um, they're, they're both, uh, incredible talents. I, I personally like Messi, uh, from, from the, the player standpoint, but after watching the interview and listening to what Ronaldo had to say and, and really getting to, you know, I've seen them do other personal touches and stuff like that, uh, you know, before matches and all that. And, you know, I, I got that, that deep respect for him. He really does seem like a, a really, cool nice guy who's got a you know um a really soft heart you know so when you you listen to that interview you can really sense that he felt hurt he felt slighted with everything that's been handled with him at man u and uh, and then um you know he, he does come with that arrogance a little bit like he thinks personally in his own head that he's number one in the world and you know what I don't fault anyone for that. When you're at that stage and that that level, I mean that that's what makes you great. You know, that's what makes you be even if it's in your own eyes the goat. You know, guys like Tom Brady and and Ronaldo or Messi, if that's how they deeply feel, then no wonder they're doing what they do out there on the field because they think it, they believe it, and they will do everything in their power to make sure that they get themselves into top form, that they're analyzing their their game, that they're doing whatever it takes to to be the masters of their craft. And I have nothing against that whatsoever. So, you know, I've, I really had listened to that interview, uh, you know, this whole different um, renowned feeling towards um, Ronaldo with everything that's happened, uh, you know, with him, especially over the last couple of years and, and the way things have been handled here with him at Man U. And that's why I think that, you know, this whole Portuguese team, uh, again, they're, they're a good squad. And then you've got Ronaldo there uh, who, after this interview and everything that's happened, he's, he just may play with that chip on his shoulder and, and try to go out there with, a, with the last bang. I, I hear you there. I would say that they're the greatest threat to France on that side. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think they're a better team now than they were when they won Euros. Yep. I'd say they're a better team. And I mean, in some cases, I don't even know if Renato will start in some cases. I think yeah, they might have yeah. him on the bench and bring him in maybe at halftime. Yeah. And they're still a better team. So you can't look past Portugal. As much as I'm not a fan of Portugal, you can't look past Portugal. I just still think that France is just so stacked with difference makers. Yes. I mean, they've got like three big key injuries in their lineup there. And yet they are so deep. You know, we, we we hear this a lot even with our hockey program here in Canada. Yes. Team Canada in hockey is so strong and so deep that they can field two, three stacked teams at these world championships um, because that's how deep we are. This is how this French team is, you know, going into this World Cup. They've, they've got so much depth that few guys are out of the lineup. No problem. We've got other players who can come in and fill in those roles and still be a very, very strong team. Not too many teams can... Can uh, say that they can do that. If you were going to place a bet on the golden boot, who would it be? Huh, interesting. Um, you know, I've always been the believer that the team that goes deep in the tournament, 
there's got to be someone there that's going to be the golden boot winner, right? I know that there's been a lot of predictions and, you know, they've got perhaps Kane as being the front runner to be that golden boot winner. I'm not really buying that. Uh, I'm not saying that the English team will go far. You know, I, I like them too. I mean, they, they haven't been strong uh, of late, but I, I still don't think that they'll get deep and far enough where Kane could still score, let's say, in the quarter semifinals type of situation um, and, and really add to his totals to make him the leading goal scorer of the tournament. So I'm leaning towards someone like a Neymar. Okay. Because if they go deep, then you're expecting someone like Neymar to score the goals. So I'm, I'm, I'm leaning a little bit more towards Neymar. Okay, no, that's fair. I actually, I actually like Messi. I, I think Messi may score quite a few goals in the group stage. I don't know mm-hmm. beyond that, but in the group stage itself, their particular group is very gettable. So I, I, I see him having a lot of opportunities to rack up the numbers early, which sometimes is all you need to win the Golden Boot. What about you, Justin? Uh, you know what? I actually haven't given this much of a thought. I originally thought it was going to be Benzema coming off the Ballon d'Or, but you can't really score from your bedroom. <laughs> so, I mean, unless he's playing FIFA online. <laughs> but you know what? Again, going with my artificial intelligence because I have uh, my tech background, uh, it says Messi is going to win the the boot. Oh, so you know what? I'm going to go with Messi. Oh, he could. He literally he could get a couple of goals in the first game. Yeah. Lights it up against uh, Saudi Arabia. Not trying to disrespect Saudi Arabia, but no, let's, no, let's no. be honest, right? Yes, that's right. <laughs> well, I, I mean, technically, if if um, in the match we just saw with Ecuador and Qatar, if if Eder or no, what's his name, Valencia got the three goals, he'd be leading by a large margin right now. That's right. That's right. right. So technically, I guess it could be Valencia if he just keeps like racking up these goals. <laughs> but I, it's going to be an interesting. It's going to be a very interesting one. I'm I'm really amped about this World Cup. I've got a couple of teams that I'm excited about. To be honest, it's strange to be supporting a team like Canada and expecting them to do well, considering how long it's been since they've been there. But that's how exciting this team has become for me. Yes. And um, even though, you know, I kind of made my professional opinion on whether, you know, get out of the group stage or or not. You know, I've I've spoken to a few uh, former players, and I'm not going to name names. I don't want to put them on the record as to what they're saying. Mm -hmm. Um, So I won't throw any names out. But there's a few that they think uh, the Canadian team can get through. Um, Some don't think that. Um, But there are some, you know, that believe in this Canadian team that that they've got what it takes to get through. But, you know, I'm going to be like everyone else, you know, just ready for, for the games. I'm rooting for them. And I would just love to see them score first. And, and I think that could change not just the outcome of the game, but it could change the whole complexity of that group if they can uh, somehow get a result against uh, Belgium. And then you've got the, the other flip side of it. You know, let's say the Canadian team does score first, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes a, a team like Belgium, you know, as they say, you don't want to wake up the, uh, you know, wake up the bear, right? And yeah. then that might be like, Okay, now we got to take things serious here, uh, you know, and let's wake up and, you know, and now let's start dictating this game and sending a, a message. I mean, that could happen too. But I, I just think that this Canadian team put them up a goal. I, I think that they'll make life diff- difficult. Again, we, we just have that, that speed in the, in, and the legs, especially, you know, down those wings and the, and, and the flanks areas. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're tough to beat in those, in those areas of the field. 
I don't think we're we're the strongest down the middle uh, from from the defense uh, standpoint. Definitely not. We're we're a bit weaker there, and that's where we can get exposed. But when you look at left and right, you know the speed that we have with Buchanan and Davies. I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about him uh, soon. And you know Richie Larea, you know, and the list goes on and on. These are players where, and and I got to see them live, and I was just blown away and so impressed with their recovery. And I was trying to picture myself in the opposition shoes, where you beat these guys, you think you've got the beat on them, and then within five or ten yards down the the field, they're right back in your face again. That is very difficult to score against, you know, when you think you're clear out in the in the open, ready to make your next pass, your or maybe take a shot on net or advance the, the play. And then all of a sudden this guy is, is right down your, your uh, neck again and, and making things difficult. So I, I think that that's where we've got that, that advantage of that speed and that recovery um, that makes things difficult for the opposing teams to score. A hundred percent. And you mentioned Alfonso Davies. He says he's one, he says he's ready to go. He says he feels fully fit. Do you expect to see him against Belgium? Uh, man, this is, this is such a tough one for me. I've been mulling over this. I know he's saying he's, he's ready, but you know, I, I've had, you know, not many hamstring injuries in my career, but I used to have them Mm -hmm. and I know what it's like. And Bayern Munich didn't think that this hamstring injury was as serious as they initially thought, but it doesn't matter. Whenever you tweak your hamstring, you're literally out of commission for 10 days, 14 days, whatever the case may be, of really doing no crazy activity. You really are just resting, icing, you're going through your treatments, you know, getting the mild massages, all that type of stuff to make sure that your hammy is starting to feel better. But there's one thing to just do routine drills and practices where you're you're not going full out, you're just getting yourself going. And, and I know that, you know, the game's not until Wednesday, but you're asking him to go right away as his first real test and battle against Belgium. And the conditions there in Qatar, as we all know, it's going to be hot. These players are going to be sweating buckets, losing the electrolytes, losing that fluids. I mean, guys just without any injuries are going to be naturally fatigued and cramping up but he's got this hamstring issue that he's dealing with, right? So at any point a time in that game, let's say if he does start, you're you're just hoping that something does not happen in that game where all it takes, I mean, it doesn't have to be anything major and serious. All it takes is for him to grab his hammy and say, uh-oh, I felt something or something doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. He's done. He's lost for the rest of the tournament. Because there's no way that his leg will be able to recover for games two and three in that short time span. And I'm, I'm sure that Bayern Munich is going to have a say in it afterwards to say, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's not going back in there. We tried. We, you know, we tried to work with you, Canada. We tried our best. It just ain't happening. And that's the only concern that I have. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Canadian team doesn't start him against Belgium. Just for the mere fact that the Canadian team might be looking at it as, 
let's give him that extra four days from that first game because he'll mm -hmm. essentially have four days before the Croatia game. That four days will do him a world of wonder. And and maybe the Canadian team, you know, maybe deep down inside, um, the coaches are thinking that, you know, we can't play him. We, you know, we don't want to risk it. Even with him in the lineup, we're probably still not going to beat these guys. So let's concede that first one. We'll put someone else in there. Our team's going to do their best to try to, you know, pull a rabbit out of the hat. And and even if if we don't, then, hey, at least we know we have Davies ready to go for games two and three. I, that could be their approach. Yes. Because even if they don't start him, right, they might have that notion of, hey, if we need him to come off the bench, then at least we have him to our disposal. Well, let's just say that Belgium is leading the game 2-0. I think there would be absolutely no reason whatsoever, even at that point, for Herdman to even tender the option of putting them in there. Because, again, you just never know. You stick them in there, um, and then he might tweak something, and then you lose them for uh, games two and three. So I think if they're losing and they were maybe thinking about putting them in later and it doesn't seem to be working that way in the game, then just take the approach of, we're not putting them in there. Let's get them ready for game two. And you know, and that will be the game, essentially, in the group. If we have any chance of getting through, we, we have to get results in games two and three. So I, I think that might be the approach to possibly take. It is really risky. And the thing, too, with Davies is that his hamstring... Well, forget. let's forget about the hamstring. I just talked about that. His game is his speed. Speed, yeah. His speed. And... Anytime a player goes onto that pitch and they've had that hammy issue, the worst thing that a player can, can have uh, with them going into any game is from a psychological standpoint where normally if let's say, you know, a ball is, you know, in, in the wide open and he's ready to chase after that ball. I'm just giving an example. Remember that game where he scored that miraculous goal against Panama, all right? Yes. He doesn't have to think twice about doing that. He puts the the burners on and he's off to the races. If that happens in the game against Belgium, he's not chasing after that ball like a madman because he's going to have that different thought process in his head of maybe I don't go for that one right now. You know, it's mm -hmm. going out of bounds. I'm not going to chase after it because those are those moments where you overextend yourself and then you might pull something. So when a player has to have that psychological doubt of, I won't go here and they kind of pick and choose their battles as to when to go and when not to go that can be also detrimental out there on the field not just for him personally of re-injuring but even you know as we call it in the game you're going through the motions right you're you're not really going at full capacity and when you've got to kind of play and go through the motions in the game then you know you're almost at a loss out there as well yeah, it's probably not a popular opinion, but I, I wouldn't start him. I wouldn't not start him against Belgium. We did very well in qualifying without him in games that we had to produce in. So yeah. I'd have no issue sitting him for that one additional game. Yeah, same here. I fully echo that agreement. Now, Tommy, before we get you out of here, a um, few things I must ask you. Number one, have you ever had a poutine before? Uh, poutine? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right. And what is your poutine of choice? Just the, the regular poutine, you know, just, you know, with the cheese and the gravy on it. Um, you know, my, my wife's a big poutine fan and she likes the bacon and all that stuff. There you go. 
Yeah. Brilliant. We love that. And where can our fans find you on social media? I'm on Instagram, Facebook. Yeah, I'm, I'm basically – I'm on Twitter as well, but I don't really use the uh, the Twitter uh, as much. Is it all just at Tommy Kuzmanis? At, at Tom Kuzmanis. At Tom Kuzmanis. Okay. Just gave you a follow. Boom. Great talking to you again, Tommy. Great. Well, thank you for having me, guys. It was a pleasure. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. For even more of your favorite sports content, be sure to visit the website www.prosportspodcasters.com. On our website, you will find our sports blog, full podcast library, access to our YouTube channel, and deals from our affiliate partners. You can also sign up to become a PSP Insider and get exclusive access to our insider tips, sponsor giveaways, and insider newsletter. So don't miss out on the full Pro Sports Podcasts experience. Where no sport is left behind.